The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. The world and those who live in it. For God has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your head, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Here ends the reading. I thought since the World Series just ended that a baseball metaphor would be appropriate this morning. So it's game three of the 1932 World Series. Does anybody know where I'm going? Anybody? Do you know where I'm going with this? What's, where am I going? You said you did. Oh, gotcha. And a guy named, after a candy bar, or the vice versa... Babe Ruth made a gesture. Now, it's hotly contested about what this gesture meant, but most people believe that he pointed to where, on the next pitch, he was going to hit a home run. It's probably the most famous home run ever. Pretty audacious, and Babe Ruth was a pretty audacious character as well, and apparently there had been lots of as we say, trash-talking going on um, that day in the game. So we don't really know if he, was, if he actually was pointing out there for the home run. But anyway, that's what we believe he was doing. He was calling his shot, and then he took that shot and made it a home run. And the day lives on in our memory now. Well, this scripture passage in Isaiah is God calling God's shot. On this mountain, and when he says this mountain, when Isaiah says that, Isaiah is referencing Mount Sinai. Because for the Hebrew people, Mount Sinai is, of course, the place where, where the law is received. It's, it's very much a center point of, of God's relationship with God's people um, in the Old Testament and for the Hebrew people. He says, on this mountain, not in some heaven far away, not in some celestial plain, not in some other place, but on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. You can just imagine and, and sense this imagery, and that's, that's why I brought out the plates and the crystal for the, for the children. Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a meal where one writer wrote about it as in, 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 in God's community, there will be full provision and there will be complete community because all the nations will come from north and south and east and west and they will feast on God's holy mountain. 
It's the shot that God is calling. And God says, that's where we're going. That's going to be the end of all things. Is full provision. Complete community. And then it goes on to say, it goes on to say, that he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all people, the sheet that is spread over all the nations. Meaning, what we can't see, what is hidden from us in our day-to-day life, will be revealed in its completeness and in its fullness. No longer will we look, as Paul writes in the New Testament, through a glass darkly, sort of glimpsing at the things of God, we will see fully those things and they will be realized in our sight. And death will be swallowed up forever. Every tear will be wiped away. I don't know about you, but I long for that day. I long for that day. When people are reconciled to each other. When the world is redeemed. When all of the wrongs are righted. When everything is put in its proper place in relationship to God. I long for that. And as Christians, because that is our vision, because that is the shot that God has called and said, that's where we're going. I think for those of us who who see that vision, we probably even more fully say, okay, when? How? Where? Especially with things that happen just day to day to day. We don't have to bring up the shooting in a black church in Charleston some time ago. We don't even have to bring up 11 Jewish folks killed last week, even though I just brought it up. I mean, these larger events just rub salt in the wound of often the daily things that we endure. Sick children, people dying in tragedies, all kinds of things that we see every day. And that shroud that is between us and the glories of God often keeps hidden from us those things that are happening day by day by day, quietly, quietly in the lives of people where God's vision is being realized. Where someone reaches out to another, not because it gets them anything, but because they believe so much in their heart that all that they have is the Lord's, that the earth is the Lord's and that the world is the Lord's and that they are the Lord's, that they reach out to another to help them find full provision and complete community. They extend themselves beyond what they thought they could do in love and generosity. And this happens every day. It just doesn't get reported in the news. It's like there is that shroud between us and that. We have to look very hard for it. 
And we are the ones who are called to be those people who are, who are doing those things. Because when we hear, when we hear this scripture from Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who, who live in it, when we hear that and we begin to believe it, that changes the way that we, we live in the world. For those of us who are people of faith, we come to believe that everything is a gift of grace. All that we are, all that we have. And that it is to be used for God's vision on this earth. That we are to be used for God's vision on this earth. And so we live into lives of grace, of gratitude, of generosity, that is beyond the understanding of most people. Around here, we talk, a, we talk a number of times throughout the year about what it means to be a generous giver financially. About what might it mean for you to take a bold step and to take 10% of your income and dedicate it to God. One dollar of how many? Ten? Ten of a hundred? A hundred of a thousand? To dedicate to God, to return thanks to God. And that seems like the craziest thing ever. When Jennifer and I began moving to that number, my brother was like, what? Why would you do that? You're the pastor of the church. Why, why, why do you need to give to the church? Like, what's that about? And I said, well, it's who we are. As people of faith, that's what we do. Because it reminds us, because, because for us in this economy, the way we have it, the money is, is the currency that we use that also helps show forth who we are as people. How we spend our money, how we spend our time, shows forth who we are, what our priorities are. And so when you begin to take steps to dedicate, especially your finances, in God's direction, it will change you. It will change you. If you make enough money, you're going to be giving away like a decent used car every year. Just think about that for a moment. If your income is such and you take 10% of that, you're going to be giving away a decent used car every year and you're, and you're going to be thinking, why am I doing that? I could have a new car in two or three years. But because of this new vision that you might find in your faith about that God provides for us and that we are then out of, out of the grace of God called to also reach out and to give so that we might learn what it is to be people of grace and gratitude and generosity, just like our God. It begins to shift your priorities. You begin to live differently. You begin to see differently. You begin to have more ownership over that vision of what God is calling us to, about that beautiful feast Every week here at Westminster, 
we have a foretaste of the feast that is to come. You know, this bit of bread, this sip of juice or wine is the foretaste of the feast that is to come when all of God's people will come together. And we are the ones who, because we believe Jesus has fulfilled that promise of God, that Jesus conquered death and has shown us a more excellent way to live, that we follow in his example as our Savior, and we say, in this heart, in this heart, in this life, in this soul, in this spirit, God, bring forth that vision to its completeness. Make me an instrument of your vision and of that shot that you're calling that is going to redeem this earth. Help me be part of that now. Help me to to embody that now. Help me to be that incarnation of that vision now. Because I'm looking for that time when there is no deprivation, when there is no division, when there is no depravity anymore. When every person is given dignity and honor, where every person has the opportunity to have meaningful work to do, where every person finds themselves wrapped up in a community of care and love and responsibility. And so today, I'm going to encourage you to ask God, to pray to God, to make that vision and that call more of a reality in your life. To ask God and to say, Lord, make that vision come to be fulfilled on this mountain, in this life, in my spirit. Help me to let go of the things that I am grasping a hold of so that I might be gracious and generous, so that I might live my life with gratitude and not with fear. Lord, build your kingdom, build that vision on this mountain, in this congregation, in this community, and show me how I can be part of that. Today, we welcome new members into the life of this congregation. And last week, they didn't run screaming from the room when I said to them, membership isn't about privilege, it's about responsibility. When you stand up in front of the congregation next week, you're going to be saying, hey, here I am. I want to serve. I want to give. I, I, I want to throw in with you on this vision that God has for Westminster Church. And I'm willing to stand up and to do that. And like I said, they're here today. And they're going to reaffirm that baptismal promise that God gave to them and officially become part of the life and the fabric of this community so that on this mountain there might be a sumptuous feast. On this mountain we might embody that grace and that love and that salvation that God has given to us all and fulfilled in Jesus the Christ.
And so consider, where is it that your life needs to shift so that God can build his vision and call his shot on this mountain? Amen.